0: And for those of you who remain, whether here or on the live stream, I'll invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to Psalm 73, where we will be considering the theme, what it means to worship when your mind is full of doubts. Psalm 73, this is God's Word. Truly, God is good to Israel to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped, for I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For they have no pangs until death. Their bodies are fat and sleek. They are not in trouble as others are. They are not stricken like the rest of mankind. Therefore, pride is their necklace. Violence covers them as a garment. Their eyes swell out through fatness. Their hearts overflow with follies. They scoff and speak with malice. Loftily, they threaten oppression. They set their mouths against the heavens, and their tongues struts through the earth. Therefore, his people turn back to them, I would have betrayed the generation of your children.
1: But when I thought how to understand this, it seemed to me a wearisome task. Until
0: I went into the sanctuary of God, then I discerned their end. Truly, you set them in slippery places, you make them fall to ruin. How they are destroyed in a moment. Swept away utterly by terrors. Like a dream when one awakes, O Lord, when you rouse yourself, you despise them as phantoms. When my soul was embittered, when I was pricked in heart, I was brutish and ignorant. I was like a beast toward you. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, and afterward you will receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For behold, those who are far off from you shall perish. You put an end to everyone who is unfaithful to you. For me, it is good to be near God. I have made the Lord God my refuge that I may tell
1: of all your works. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, help us to see that you are our refuge.
0: That you are our strength and our portion forever.
1: That we too might exclaim that truly God is good to his people. Equip us
0: to know this, Lord, that we with the psalmist might declare all the
1: glories of your works. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, Can we be certain about anything? I mean, when you want to do research on something, people turn these days to Wikipedia. If you know anything about
0: Wikipedia, you know it's just a bunch of people writing up stuff and there are all these behind-the-scenes Wikipedia wars where people change one entry to mean and people change it back to the other thing and... And you can't always trust what you get on, on Wikipedia, which is why most college professors say, yeah, don't, don't use that in your bibliography, please. I read recently that the groundbreaking study that showed what might be the primary mechanism behind Alzheimer's, which took the life of my grandmother, so I followed this with great interest, was most likely a fraud. And for a decade now, scientists have been pursuing a whole line of possible treatments that have never shown any effectiveness, and now they're beginning to think they
1: know why. Of course, you've got fake
0: news and misinformation. You've got leaders that we lift up, and then we think, these are the ones, and then suddenly they fall and show themselves to be something they're not. You've got economic uncertainty, political uncertainty. There are wars. There's threat of wars. Can we be
1: certain about anything anymore? We live in a world that is full of doubt, full of uncertainty, full of
0: confusion, full of conflict, and, and yet all too often... The message of the church is that when we step in to worship, we have to leave all of those questions and all of that doubt and all of that uncertainty behind and put on the air that we, we know all the things that matter for sure,
1: without any doubt at all. Is that even possible? What doubts burden? your mind
0: this morning? Have you found yourself in the past day, or week, or month, or year,
1: wondering, where is God in all of this? Why are things this way? What sense am I to make of any of What we find in Psalm 73 is a psalm that lifts up the psalmist's doubts and shows us
0: how he wrestles with those, and finds himself able in the grace and the mercy and the kindness of the Lord to enter into a sanctuary and to worship even, even though his mind is burdened with doubt. And I hope that we will be able to see this morning that far from being a reason to flee God or run from God, That God invites us into his presence to draw near to him even, even when our minds are full of doubt. What are we going to do uh, to consider this this morning? We're going to consider three things. We're going to consider, first, the reality of doubt. Second, we're going to consider how we deal with doubt. And last, we're going to consider How we are to answer the doubts that plague us. First thing I want us to do, we focus on the first 15 verses, is to consider the reality of doubt. We don't really like doubt. And you don't have to be a Christian not to like doubt. Our whole world hates doubt. That's why there are hedge funds. It's so that investors can have their cake and eat it too, right? We can invest in this, but then hedge our bets and invest in that so that we don't have to have any doubts that we'll still make money. This is why engineers like to have a, a factor of safety. I, I built a shed with my dad when we were in South Carolina. Actually, we've built multiple sheds. And, and we always engineered those things to a factor of safety of like 10. <laughs> because... I don't like climbing on those rafters and nailing shing. I don't want to make sure that thing is going to stand even in a hurricane. This is why all these political polls that you read about have a, a, a margin of error, plus or minus 10. <laughs> Sometimes the margin of error is so big, the poll doesn't tell you anything. We don't, we don't want to say, well, this is how it is, and then be wrong. We don't want to say, this is sturdy, and then have it fall apart. We want to have some certainty. We want to be sure we don't like living in a world where doubt is a thing. But if we're ever going to actually deal with doubt in a good and healthy way, we have to consider that it is real. This is what the psalmist does. He doesn't run from his doubt. In fact, the first 15 verses are pretty much primarily him laying
1: out and spelling out his doubts from A to Z. Why? When God says, do justly, love mercy, walk humbly
0: with me, why do the people who do that seem to falter and fail but the people who ignore that who mock that why do the wicked prosper they have no worries they have no cares and even the faithful look and and leave the way of faith and begin to say god won't really know does he even have any knowledge here we are he says these things but he doesn't do anything to follow up everything that he says just seems to be empty And all the people that oppose him seem to be doing all right. Let's go follow them. And the psalmist begins to wonder, why would God say all of these things? Why would God call his people to live in certain ways and then let everybody who ignores that get everything they want? They're fat and sleek. They don't hunger. They don't know a day. When they are wondering where they're going to get their next meal. In fact, they have enough to spare. They're not stricken like the rest of mankind. We're fighting illness and disease and famine and bloodshed and sore. But these guys,
1: they're fine. They don't have a care in the world. In fact, so confident they are,
0: so certain that they're in a place of power and authority... That violence covers them as a garment. They do whatever they want, no matter how wicked, no matter how destructive, and they get away with it again and again and again. They even mock the heavens, setting their mouths against it,
1: strutting through the earth with their tongue. Ah, would God allow this? And you see the
0: psalmist's doubts percolate to the surface Maybe they're right. Maybe it's in vain that I have kept my heart clean. Maybe I have been wasting my time trying to be be pure and innocent. Maybe there is no God and there is no justice. And I just need to get with the program and live the way everyone else lives. Because As long as I pursue these things that God called me to, I am stricken. Every morning I'm rebuked as I watch the prosperity
1: of the wicked. He is full of doubt. Is it even worth it anymore? But notice how he closes this in verse 15. He says, if I had said
0: all of these, if I, had, if I had walked that path out to the end,
1: I would have betrayed the generation of your children. I would have lost my way. I would have let my doubts destroy me. Because what he's doing
0: as he lays these doubts out, is he's inviting us into them. He's inviting us to take those on. He's inviting us to consider, do we have the same doubts? Do we wonder about the same things? This is real. This is the world that we live in. And we shouldn't be ashamed that we have these sorts of questions. We've got to be honest that we have these doubts. But when we're honest about those doubts, we can't just be honest on a surface level. He starts to dig deep. Why does he have these doubts? Why is this such an affliction to him?
1: And he tells us towards the beginning, I envied the arrogant. I was jealous of their prosperity. I I don't want to walk the hard path. I want to
0: walk the easy path like they do. And as he starts to process his doubts and get honest and real about what they are and what's behind them, he realizes that his doubts
1: say less about the Lord and more about himself. What incites doubt in you? Are you willing, with the psalmist, to be truly, deeply honest about
0: it? Maybe it's not jealousy that is inciting your doubt. Maybe you do have these genuine philosophical questions. I need this to make sense. Maybe you've seen relationships ruptured, and, and no matter how much you pray, no matter how much you cry
1: out to God, nothing seems to change, and you begin to wonder, does He hear me at all? Maybe you see the, the cultural shifts, and you begin to think, like, is the, 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 this moral structure that we've aligned ourselves with even the best way to live? It's just something deeply personal. Something you've suffered.
0: Something you've seen. Something you've endured. And you can't shake it and it gnaws at the back of your mind in those quiet moments. It makes
1: you wonder, how can that be? And there be a God. We learn from the psalmist. We can't be and shouldn't be and mustn't be afraid
0: grabbing hold of that doubt and pulling on that string until it unravels, until we get to the bottom of it. Where
1: is the doubt coming from? Because until you do, you'll have no idea how to deal with it well. See, as the psalmist considers his doubts, he's overwhelmed with how to deal with it. He's trying to reason it out, and he can't. He's just
0: going in circles. You found yourself like that? Like, well, but if this is true, and you're just going in circles. He, he tries to, to look out and see, is there anywhere in the world where something's happening that's a little different? He's, he's turning over rocks. He's, he's looking in this place, looking in that place, trying to see, is there anywhere where things are
1: going differently? And it's exhausting. Everywhere he looks, he doesn't find the answer he seeks. There are
0: echoes of Ecclesiastes and the psalmist's frustration
1: when I thought how to understand this, it seemed to me a wearisome task. It's exhausted. So we moved our offices this week, and thanks again to all who helped. To, to prep for it,
0: we tried to, to move stuff. TJ and I loaded our books up and, and moved them over, and I'm noticing how many books I actually have how many books I've loaned out and haven't gotten back yet, you know who you are. And I'm putting them back up on the shelf, and, I, and I'm recalling every time somebody walks into my office, somebody, eventually, somebody says, have you read all these books? And my standard answer every time
1: is, some I've read twice. Now, on the one hand, you might be like, wow, until you realize I didn't actually
0: answer your question. No, I haven't read all of those books. Some I started, like, this isn't worth finishing. Some I read, like, this is amazing. I'm going to read it again. And I did. Some were given to me by publishers so that I would write a blog post about how great it is. And they didn't ask if I blogged or not. And if they found out that I don't, they wouldn't maybe have never sent it to me. And it goes on the shelf. For some, I've asked other people to read for me and tell me what it says because I have a queue of books so high, I can't even get to it. And those books on my shelves don't even include my library of audiobooks or my digital books. I could could never get to the end of learning and reading and still not have all the answers. It's a wearisome task. And what the psalmist realizes is that he is finite. He can't be everywhere, he can't see everything, he doesn't know all that he needs to know. And so he steps into the sanctuary of God because he doesn't know where else to go. And then he's reminded of who does know all things. Of who has been in all the places. Who does uphold everything in the might of his will. Who sees, who knows, who understands, and
1: who works. He says then i discerned the true end of the wicked
0: see all the psalmist could see was what was around him all that he could observe was what was in the now and the future no matter how certain you are of the moment is always full of uncertainty your parents As your
1: children get their driver's license, are gripped with fear because you just don't know what's next. Things are going crazy at work, and you you just dread going in and getting that email that
0: says, oh, by the way, the whole project is is different now. All the work you've been spending your time on the last year, throw that in the trash, we're going to do something different. Or worse, you walk in and find out your job has now been downsized. Or what you thought would last your retirement and the stock market crashes and now you don't know. The future is uncertain, but God knows it. He sees it. He's ordering and guiding all things to His ends and His purposes. And in His Word, He reveals afresh and anew to the psalmist and to us that it's not the wicked who win the day is the Lord of glory and of justice and of truth and of righteousness and of holiness. He and his purposes alone will stand. So though we may
1: see chaos around us, that's not the the final answer. We want to have a certainty that, that, that we know
0: God, just just map out the next five years for me, and then I'll be fine. Just tell me everything that's going to happen. I'll be okay. It's like the, the time traveler movies where they get the almanac, the sports almanac, from the future, and they go back, and, oh, I'm
1: certain that my life will be easy now because I know everything that's going to happen. And yet, sometimes even when we know what's going to happen, it doesn't help doesn't bring peace. It doesn't bring calmness.
0: Certainty isn't always what we need. And so when we're dealing with our doubts, before we we try to grab hold of some answer, of some certainty, we we need to learn to, to continue to study and investigate where are our doubts taking us? See, doubts by definition do not construct. They don't build up. They only tear down. Did God really say? Is that really how it's going to go? Are you sure that this is the right answer? Like, they only tear down. Now, give pause. Doubts don't construct, but they do lead somewhere.
1: Where do your doubts lead? The psalmist says that when in verse 21 and
0: 22, that he realized that that his doubts were leading him to bitterness. When my soul was embittered, when I was pricked in heart, I was brutish and ignorant, I was like a beast before you.
1: He's grappling with the reality that, that his doubts were leading him to a very dark and fearful place,
0: He had set himself up as the standard for what is good and right and true. And the longer he held on to that place, the more angry, the more animalistic,
1: the more brutish and ignorant he became towards God. Where are your doubts leading you? Ultimately, the
0: psalmist's doubts led him back to worship. That I've got to go somewhere. I've got to find something. And maybe your doubts are generating that thirst and hunger in you where the Lord is even taking your doubts and using them to draw you closer to Him. Yes, that's a great question. Why don't you look up Romans chapter 4? Why don't you read Genesis Exodus? When I did college ministry, inevitably I would get a student who would find out I was a campus minister, and they would say, hey, can we meet? And they, we would meet, and they would have this long list of questions that weren't their questions. They were the questions they got off of Google somewhere. And like you start to learn what the questions are, because they're always the same questions. And you get to a point where it's like, what, do you, what are you really trying to do here? Like, is your goal to like make me doubt? Is your goal to feel better about yourself? Or do you
1: really want to meet God if he's real? And as the psalmist considered where his doubts were going, he realized, if God isn't who he says he is, There's nothing else worth having. Let me seek Him out. Let me find Him. Let me not find certainty. Let me find the Lord. Where will your doubt lead you? Will it lead you to growing more and more bitter? More and more angry? More and more withdrawn? More and more arrogant? More and more selfish? Do you think that's what this world is really all about? Do you think that those doubts are leading you on the path of goodness and truth? What we find in the scripture is a God who reveals himself to be so glorious and so mighty and so powerful that we want him to be true. We need him to be true. But it's not just a dream. The way we answer
0: doubt. Is with the reality of
1: our God. See, in this world, we don't really know who to trust. I mean, I don't have cable
0: anymore, but you know, when you turn on the news shows, you know how they do, right? They still do it. Let's bring this expert in to tell us how it is, and then the other news channel. Well, no, we're going to bring this expert in. This is how, and they say different things, and. Well, this newspaper is like, well, this expert, this Ph.D. says, well, th- this newspaper says, but this Ph.D. says that. And it just becomes a world of warring experts. And if you try hard enough, you can find an expert who can tell you anything you want to hear. Which basically leaves us in a place where we become our own expert. We're left to decide for ourselves what's right, what's good, what's true, what's the meaning of life. Where is all of this heading? And we find ourselves back, where the psalmist was, exhausted and weary.
1: Because we don't have the ability. But notice how he starts this psalm. Truly, God is good to Israel. He is good to his people. He doesn't always tell us why he lets the wicked prosper. He doesn't
0: always answer the question why this evil is left to persist. He doesn't always pull back the curtain and show us what's coming around the corner. He doesn't always shield us from suffering and harm. He doesn't always pour out abundance upon us. But he always, everywhere, all the time, abounds to his people with goodness, because he abounds
1: to his people with himself. Look at what the psalmist says in the last section. Nevertheless,
0: no matter what else, I am continually with you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. I don't have to know all the answers because you give me all the guidance I need. And afterwards, after all is said and done, you will receive me to yourself in
1: glory. Who else do I have in heaven but you? What on earth could possibly compare to you?
0: Everything that I am and have might fail. But if you, O God, are my strength, if you are my portion, you will be my strength and my portion forever.
1: Not just in this moment, but for everlasting days. The faithless will perish, but it's good to be near God. And this
0: is who God reveals himself to be a God who longs to be near to his people.
1: He made Adam and Eve in his own image. And even when they fell
0: into sin, he came to the garden. He sought them out while they were in hiding. He invited them out with questions. Where are you? What is this you've done? He sought relationship with them. He provided for their need. He was with his people. When they were enslaved in Egypt, he delivered them with power. He guided them through the wilderness, a pillar of fire by night and a pillar of cloud by day. The glory of his presence descended upon the tabernacle. He protected his people from invaders. He carted them off into exile and yet went with them. Even in their disobedience, that they might learn afresh and anew who he is. And yes, this God who is glorious and holy and righteous, he took on the form
1: of a servant in the form of a man and came to seek and save the lost. In the person
0: of the Lord Jesus Christ, God-made man, bore in his body all of our sin and all of our shames and all of our doubts and all of our fears, and he put to shame every power and principality and authority that would seek, to unseat God from his glorious throne. And in all of this, God says, I am Emmanuel, God with you. It is good for
1: you to be near me. Even with your doubts. Even with your questions. Even with your fears and concerns. The psalmist doesn't get answers. It's the Lord. And that portion is enough for him. That can be frustrating for us. But when God calls
0: us to himself, he doesn't call us to shed our doubts. He calls us to be honest about them. He invites us to deal with them as they truly are. He invites us to bring them to him. He invites us to seek him out and to know who he is and what he's like that our minds might not be crippled
1: by those doubts. It might be transformed as we see more and more who our God is. The Lord doesn't ask you to set your doubts aside.
0: And He doesn't always give you the certainty you long for.
1: He gives you Himself he invites you to worship, even when your minds are full of doubt. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would help us. Lord, we do long for answers, and you do tell us so much. Lord, you have not given us a faith that is unreasonable or
0: illogical or capricious. You are the Lord of truth, and you have given us eternal truth. Help us to know it. Help us to learn to worship you with our minds, even when they are afflicted with doubts and fears and concerns.
1: But help us, O Lord, not to run from those doubts. But in your strength and in your grace and in your mercy, or to confront them as they truly are. That we might find
0: peace. That we might find joy. That we might find strength. That we might find relief. That we might exclaim with the psalmist, truly,
1: the one thing I am certain of, God, God is good to his people. Help us to hold fast to that confident hope. In the Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen.